All right, cool. So um, tonight we're going to be talking about vision again. Um, I've talked to some of you guys about last week. It seems like everybody I talked to has really enjoyed it, which is cool. Tonight we're going to dig a little bit deeper. Um, tonight we're going to be talking about who can have a vision, the impact that vision makes on your life, and how to get it, um, how to obtain a vision from the Lord. And uh, we have a lot to cover, not as much as last week, so hopefully I don't talk as long. You know, I tried to keep it under an hour last week, and it still went for an hour and a half. Because <laughs> you're wrong. Because I'm wrong, and I'm long-winded. <laughs> but I also don't like to explain things without finding that end point, you know what I mean? Like... I'd rather talk a subject to death so that everybody understands it rather than leaving it open-ended and leaving people wondering about it because we perish because we don't lack because we perish because we lack knowledge. Yeah. And I would rather you guys have as much knowledge as possible. Um, so with that being said, I'm going to pray and then we're going to get started. So uh, Dad, we just come before you right now in the name of Jesus and we thank you so much for vision. We thank you for what the Bible says about vision and what your word says about vision. Um, we thank you for everything that you're going to teach us tonight, Lord. I just pray that your Holy Spirit would be here and convict us and show us where to go and what to do. We thank you. We love you. We give you all the honor and glory and praise in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Um, so, <clears throat> just like last week, we're going to go to Proverbs 29.11. Um, and it says... Where there is no vision, the people perish. But happy is he that keeps the law. Um, a little bit of a recap before we get into what we're about to get into. Uh, the word vision there means, um, essentially it means thoughts about your future. Okay? Um the word perish doesn't just mean die. It means you cast off restraint. So you have no self-control. You have no conviction. You're just going to and fro, right? Um, the word law there is actually Torah, which is where we get the word Torah from. So the first five books of the Bible where the law is given. Um, so to sum that all up, when you don't have an idea of where to go with your future, not only will you feel like you're dying and that you don't know where to go, you don't know what to do with your life, but you will have no self-discipline. You will have no self-control in order to obtain anything. And because of that, you cannot keep the law. But when you learn how to have vision, you won't perish and you'll keep the law. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And sometimes you have to, most times, <laughs> most times you have to keep the law before the vision comes. So you have to learn how to be disciplined to some extent before the vision comes because God's not going to give you a vision unless you're able to obtain it. Right? God's not going to give you a vision unless you are constrained enough, unless you can control yourself enough, you're disciplined enough to go after it. Right? Last week we talked about what vision determines, and it determines everything in your life. It determines how you spend your free time, it determines your friends, your social life, it determines your library, what you're reading, it determines what you're watching, what you're listening to. Um, it really does, if you let it consume you, it determines everything. It is one of the single most important things you will ever have in your life. 
And I can almost bet that any of your friends that seem like they don't have their life together and don't know what they're doing with their lives is because they don't have a vision. Yeah. Right? Yeah. When, when you look back at your past and you see in the past where your life has fallen apart in those areas of your life, did you have a vision for it? Probably not. But any area of your life where you do have a vision, because there are different kinds of vision, we're going to talk about that later, you've succeeded, haven't you? For the most part. You may have hit a few bumps in the road, but you've still obtained what you wanted for that vision. Right? So we're going to talk about this. Who can have a vision? Um, we're created for vision. Vision gives us purpose. And this is important. If you have a notebook, I would write that down. Vision gives you purpose. Do you know why it's important? Because where purpose is not known, abuse always happens. And so when you don't have a vision, you don't have a purpose. And so your life is abused by the devil, right? Because you don't know what you're doing. You don't know where you're going. So he comes in like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And because you don't have an anchor with your vision for your life, he causes you to, to go to and fro like a ship at sea, right? God has a vision for everybody and everything. He creates everything with a purpose and a vision in mind. Everything. There's not one thing that God created that does not have a vision and purpose to it. Not one thing. Even the most minuscule of things. Right? Like, for instance, this glass. You might be saying, well, Ronnie, a, a human made that glass. Yes, but God made the human. Right? Great minds think alike. God inspires all creative thought. So it took a creative person to create this glass. And do you know what the vision for this glass is? The purpose for this glass? It's to hold things. It's to hold some sort of liquid, typically. Solids, when it's ice. And to drink out of it, right? This guitar, its purpose is to play music. My backpack is... Its purpose is to look cool and to hold my things. Um... You know, everything created has a vision and a purpose to it, including you. Most of all, you. Because you're created in the image and, and glory of God, right? All right, cool. Now that we've established that, let's go to Joel 2, 28. <clears throat> Who wants to read that for me? I can get it. Do it. King James or New King James. Which do you the need? Translation? Not the Passion Translation. Passion. First of all, the Passion Translation does not have this book of the Bible. Secondly, the Passion Translation is also translated from Aramaic rather than the original Hebrew. And biblical scholars have said that the Aramaic is quite wrong and add things that shouldn't be in it. Which is why the Old Testament and the Passion is terrible. Thank you for agreeing with me. Joel 2.28. Yes. You shall come to pass afterward, and I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Do you guys recognize that passage? Yes. If you've never been to church on a on Pentecost Sunday, I highly recommend you go because you will hear that that passage every Pentecost Sunday. Except when you come here, because I don't like to do what everybody else is doing. But that's besides the point. I say it today. That is from Acts chapter 2, 
where the Holy Spirit falls, right? And Peter gives his first sermon. And he says, this is what is happening right here and right now. God is pouring out his spirit. And this is everything that's happening. Um, so there are a couple of things that I want you to notice here. Okay, first of all, old men dream dreams and young men have visions. I want to differentiate between the two because this is important. A vision is something that you are working towards. It's something that you're actively doing, right? It's something that we can have. We, we are the young men in this passage and women. We are the young men and women in this passage. We, we are acquiring a vision from the Lord. We are working towards it. Does that make sense? Yes. Dreams are visions that exceed you as a person and possibly even exceed your generation. A dream is something that you pass along to the next generation so that it becomes their vision and it's something they can run with. Mm, Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, David's vision was to unite Israel and defeat the Philistines. He did that, right? But his dream was to build God a temple worthy of his presence. And God said, you know what? That's an awesome dream that you have. You're not supposed to do it. Pass it to your son. And what did Solomon do? He built the greatest temple known to man. Right? That dream got passed on to his son and became a vision. Right now in my life, um, my spiritual father died a couple years ago. He used to have this newsletter called The Progressive Walk. And several months ago, God asked me if I wanted to write, and I said yes. And he asked me if I wanted to find time to write, and I said yes. And he said, good, I want you to take over this newsletter. And I said, I don't know how to do that. Mm -hmm. And he said, I know, but it was Dwayne's dream to create something, to pass it along, to create a legacy. Mm -hmm. And I said, all right, cool, I still don't know how to do it. And he said, that's fine, we're going to revamp it and make it something new. You're going to take his dream, you're going to make it your vision, and it's going to be a little different, but the same premise is going to be behind it. So I went to my spiritual mom about it, and I asked her about it, she gave me her blessing, and Dwayne's dream of having a legacy that he could pass along, I'm taking and I'm building on it, with God's help, obviously. Um... And so in January, I'm going to launch a blog on the network website. And once a month, I'm going to release something on it. Either Kate or I are going to release something on it. And then um, two weeks after that, we're going to have a guest writer on it. And we're going to publish their stuff. And so we're going to build a legacy that's progressive. It keeps growing. It keeps progressing um, so that we as the people of God have a way to share what God is doing with us. Because if you you read this this verse, God pours out His Spirit on everybody. Everybody ends up having a vision. Eventually everybody has a dream that they can pass on, right? If we're doing it correctly. I haven't seen a lot of people do it correctly, but if we're doing it correctly, that's what we do. Um, And we grow from there. We don't stop. We don't cut ourselves off from the rest of the body of Christ. We continue to grow as a family and we grow outward, right? We don't cut ourselves off so that we become inward. We, we grow and we progress outward, right? That's the dream of God. That's part of His commandments is that we do that. Um, the other thing I want you to notice about this particular verse is that it doesn't say that women have visions, 
It says that women prophesy. Okay. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about this more intently in a second. Um, I don't believe that this verse means that no woman ever has a vision. Okay. I've met plenty of prophetesses who have had plenty of open visions and different things like that from the Lord. I know plenty of women who have a goal for their life. They have vision for their life. I don't think that's what this verse in particular means. Um, I think it, I think it refers more to the fact that men are supposed to be the spiritual leaders of the household. And let's face it, how many women end up marrying a guy who has no vision for their life and then become unhappy. I think the reason why God singles out men in this verse is because men are supposed to be the 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 king, the priest, and the prophet of their household. Right? They're supposed to make sure that their family is following the Lord. But the only way they can make sure that their family is following the Lord is if they have a vision for themselves and for their family. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um I think God originally intended men to be the visionaries of their households. I'm speaking merely on a marriage level at the moment, okay? Because there are plenty of women in leadership positions that have vision for what they're leading. So let's not get this twisted, okay? Um, does that make sense to you guys? So let's let's talk about the impact of vision. We determine what vision... Last week we talked about what vision determines for our lives, but let's talk about the actual impact it has on our lives, right? Vision, it clarifies our life's purpose. Vision answers the questions, why am I here and what am I meant for? Does that make sense? Vision gives direction for life, and it shows us the way... To our life's purpose. It's a map to who God created us to be. Does that make sense? Um, The thing about vision. Is that it gives us. It gives us a destination to work towards. And we talked about this last week. The word destiny comes from the word destination. So if you want to find out what your destiny is. Figure out what destination you need to reach. Does that make sense? Um, vision empowers us beyond our natural assets and this is something very important do you know why you don't have enough resources to live the way that you want to live it's because you haven't envisioned enough And if you have gotten far enough along in the vision that God has given you, He will open you up to receive what He has for you. So the further along you get in your vision, the more you open yourself up, right? You mentioned this verse earlier, Isaiah 54 verse 2 talks about us, our need to enlarge our tents for God's blessings. The only way we do that is if we have a vision that we're working towards. We have to be able to see where we're going. Every blessing in heaven has been given to us based on the grace God has called us to. But we can only receive as much as we are willing to be obedient. Does that make sense? Ephesians 1.3 says that we have received every spiritual bless, every, every blessing in the heavenlies. 
every blessing in the heavenlies. What is in heaven? There's no lack in heaven. There's no lack of resources in heaven. What you need to survive, what you need to push forward, what you need to accomplish your vision is in heaven. God is waiting to give it to you. What is your vision? Vision does not allow you to live by what you don't have. This is important. Write this down. People don't give to people. People give to vision. Right? Let's talk about this for a second. You're more likely to give to someone who has explained what the money is for than you are likely to give to a homeless man on the street because you don't know what he's going to use his money for. But there's always that thing in the back of your mind. What if he uses it on drugs or alcohol? Things that he does not need. Mm. Right? But if someone comes to you and says, Excuse me, my family is in tough times right now. I just lost my job. I'm only asking for a couple dollars. Do you have anything to spare? His vision, he already communicated his vision to you. His vision is to take care of his family. How much more likely are you to give to that person rather than the guy who's just standing with a sign who's not telling you why he needs the money. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It's like churches that ask for tithe, um, that are really big on tithing, and like the prosperity message. Um, Even little churches, or even like, well, let's just use the battleground for example. We raised over $2,000 for the battleground in a month. That's awesome. We should give ourselves a round of applause for that, right? That's crazy. So good. We communicated a vision, right? There's a need there. We met the need. And this is, like, all right, hear my heart on this. I, I don't care if you tithe here. I don't care where you tithe, as long as you're being obedient to the Lord. We don't really need the money for anything unless... Our HVAC units break like one of them almost did earlier this summer, and I have I, there's a it's going to cost you know a couple thousand dollars to fix it, and I don't have it. In which case, like tithing comes in great because well we have church here, so I feel like that's a church need for us to have heat in this house. <laughs> so I want to make sure we're taken care of, right? But the fact of the matter is, we don't really use the money for much else. We don't really do anything unless somebody comes to us and says, "I have a need. Will you help me?" And then. The leadership team talks about it, and we're typically like, yeah, let's give them money. And so I write a check, or I give them a bunch of cash, or whatever, wherever wherever the tithing is coming from, right? We give it to them because we want to make sure the needs of everybody are met. However, I will say this. Up until we communicated that all tithes and offerings were going to the battleground, we've never raised $2,000 in a month for people tithing. Mm. Wow. Sorry, that seemed like kind of a mic drop moment. I didn't mean for it to be up, but I want you to understand the reason why we gave that much is because there was a vision Mm. there. We saw where the money was going. We saw what we needed to do with it. And so we gave. In times past, when people have come to come to the front for prayer and like needing resources in order to make rent or to 
to, to pay for a car repair or something, bills to be paid, we're immediately like, yeah, let's throw money at it. Let's help them. But any other time during the rest of the month, we don't give. And that's fine. Like I said, I don't care what you do with your money. I'm not here to make money. I'm here to help you guys grow and progress. I, and I'm not speaking ill of people who like preach a prosperity message. It's just, you, do you see how vision affects the way that we do things? Yeah. That's what I want you to understand here. People don't give to people. They give to vision. Because vision will create and attract resources. It always does, no matter what. You don't have enough resources in your life because you don't know what your vision is. And if you do know what your vision is and you're still lacking resources, it's because you have not learned how to communicate your vision effectively so that you are able to gain from the storehouses of heaven. Right? Um, I think it's funny. There's a verse in Proverbs that says, uh, A man determines his way, but the Lord guides his steps. So if the Lord is guiding his steps to a particular destination, that's the vision, right? But the way you get to your vision is up to you. You have to plan it out. I'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. Wise people make choices that protect and propel their vision forward. If your vision isn't going forward, you have to ask yourself why. Because you're in charge of it. The Lord's given it to you. He's trusting you to steward it. If it's not going anywhere, you can ask the Lord why. But I guarantee you, He's going to ask you why. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. God, why isn't my vision going anywhere? I don't know. Why is it? Why isn't it? What are you doing to propel it forward? Vision is the next best thing to time travel because it means you are thinking about the future. That is a Miles Monroe quote, and I love it. Vision is seeing the future before it comes into existence. You know, we, we talked about um, the destination you're going towards. It really is. It's all about the future and where you're headed and what you're, what you're doing in order to protect it, Right? When you're looking to the future, that means you are expecting more out of your world. It means that you will take bold steps of faith. It means that you will venture out with risk-taking courage. And it means that you will dare to hope for something beyond yourself. Yes. When you are looking to the future, that means you are expecting more out of your world. It means that you will take bold steps of faith, and it means that you will venture out with risk-taking courage. It means that you will dare to hope for something beyond yourself. Um, it's crazy how God interconnects everything about our life like a spider web those without vision have no hope and those without hope have no faith and if they don't have faith then that means they probably don't have love either because faith works through love right so like the three greatest things that God commands us to have faith, hope, and love 
will work best through vision, through moving forward. Um, I love comic books, in case you guys didn't know. I love The Flash, particularly Wally West. Um, but the, the second Flash, Barry Allen, one of the things that makes him so unique is that he understands that unless you move forward, nothing happens. Mm. His, his particular power set with super speed and the speed force and all that um, complicated things, his entire power relies on him running forward all the time. He's not allowed to run backwards. And it's because his power is linked to time and space. And unless he runs forward, time and space stop running forward. Mm. The reason why you feel stuck in this moment is because you don't have enough hope to empower your vision. Or you don't have vision at all. Does that make sense? Good, I'm glad it does. Um, Let's go to Habakkuk 2.2. Hey, have a cake, bake. Have a cake. Have a cake. Am I getting all the hucks right? It's after uh, Nahum. Nahum. It's towards the end of the Old Testament. Three Is everybody there? Yes. All right. Good. Two, two, two. We're going to start in two, two. Um, These verses are very important. It's one of the reasons why we're going to be talking about vision next week as a church as a whole and like talking about where we're going, what we want to do. Um, And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables, that he may run that that read it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the time it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. So let's talk about vision, how to get a vision for your life. Because one of the things that is on the hearts of everyone in leadership here is to help you guys have a vision for your life. The family is only as strong as the people in it. And... We as a church will not be strong unless we as individuals are strong. And so that means everybody needs to eventually. That doesn't necessarily mean right now. We're, we're all in process. We're all in transition. Don't feel bad if you have no idea what you're supposed to be doing yet. Okay? Um, there's still plenty of time. Eventually you will need to have a vision for your life. You will need to know what God is calling you to and you will need to start making plans on how to get there. It's important. 
It's not just important for you as an individual. You have to understand that the vision that the Lord gives you is not just for you as an individual. It's for His body as a whole, which means if He gives you a vision and you are not accomplishing it, if you are not running after it, then the body itself suffers. When we look at Hebrews 11, the hall of faith, you know, it's like a hall of fame, but it's about faith. It's really what that chapter is about. It's faith. Every single person that is mentioned there, they do something because God gives them a vision for what they're supposed to do. They go about accomplishing it and it causes ripples of faith that we still feel today. Mm. Without Abraham taking steps to get out of his father's household, without him leaving Lot, the nation of Israel would not have been born. Without Moses getting the vision from God that he needed to go set the people of Israel free and take them to the promised land, they never would have reached the promised land. And if they had never reached the promised land, then the Israelites never would have met Rahab, the prostitute. Her family never would have been saved. And we would never have had Jesus. Right? Because Rahab is the great-grandmother of David. David... David's whole lineage, Jesus is from David's lineage on both sides. Not just his mother, naturally, right? But even his earthly father, Joseph, was a part of the lineage of King David. That's how much the father loved David. It's incredible, the vision that David had. David foresaw all of this. He writes about it in the Psalms all the time, which I think is crazy. Those ripples of faith because of the vision that he had in order to fulfill the Lord's purposes for himself on the earth. I want us as a family to have that kind of vision. I want us to be, even if we stay a little house church, right? Which personally I want to. It's more intimate that way. It's easier to, to function under the government's radar and, you know, a couple of other different things. Uh, It's easier for us to impact the community because we don't appear to be a huge church trying to force things down people's throats, right? It's really cool to be a little house church. I want to stay this way for forever. Um, But my point is, plus it's easier to help us grow as a family and mature. I would rather us be mature Christians than have a bunch of baby Christians come in every week. And... Do I want baby Christians here? Of course. We need to continue to grow and multiply. We're supposed to multiply, right? Like, we need to do those things. We will be more successful in ministering to others the more mature we become. And so that means we all need to have an individual vision. Because your vision speaks and is a testimony to those around you. And testimony is the spirit of prophecy. Right? Alright, so now we've talked about that. Let's talk about how to get a vision. We want to write the vision down. We need to make it plain. Let's talk about it. The first step in order to get a vision for your life is to capture your vision. It's to take your thoughts captive. Oftentimes we use this verse to talk about how we battle the enemy. Right? Which is very true. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10 verses 4 through 6 say that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are spiritual. They are able to tear down every lofty thought and imagination and bring into obedience 
every thought unto Jesus Christ and reward the thoughts of disobedience with vengeance. That's something that we don't talk about a lot, but disobedient thoughts need to be put under the microscope and stabbed repeatedly with the sword of the Spirit. Right? So here's the thing. In order for you to capture a vision, you have to analyze your thoughts. Your vision are the thoughts that won't leave you. They're the things you think about all the time. Your vision is the dream that keeps coming back. It's always there. Always. Your vision is the desire for you to do something that keeps coming back. It's your deepest desire. What keeps coming back to you? What is it? Personally, for me, it's, it's this. This is my vision. To build people. I don't want to build a church. I don't want to build a building. I want to build the church. I want to build people. Even if it's just 12, like Jesus did. Because yeah. those 12 changed the world. The 70 that received power after them, after Jesus was like, you got to eat my body and drink my blood. They were like, nah, let's get out of here. <laughs> you know, and they were done. But the 12, they did it. Because of that, we're here. Right? Mm. Well, technically, the 13. Because Paul's the 13th one. That's fine. Whatever. Um, <laughs> So, my question to you is, what do you think about all the time? What are your deepest dreams? What keeps coming back? That's the start of your vision. Don't be afraid that when you start doing this, you start thinking about this. Eventually, you want to get your vision down to one sentence. Right? Eventually. But when you start, don't be afraid if it's 10 pages long. Don't be afraid if it's 20 pages long. You need to write down what you're thinking about, what you want to do with your life, even if it's multiple things. Right? Like, um, no, I don't want to put anybody on the spot without their permission, so I'm not going to because they're not here. But Do it. There, there are people that I have spoken to um, that, you know, they want to pursue. Just do it. <laughs> All right. I talked to Noah last week during his birthday, and we had a really awesome conversation. Noah, if you're listening to this, which you probably will be tomorrow if Annie is riding with you guys, which means she's going to make you listen to it. So I'm sorry. I was provoked. Um, I wasn't strong enough to resist. But I talked to Noah the other week. And um, one of his biggest visions in life is music. It always has been, mm-hmm. ever since I've met him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which is amazing. I think, uh, just like, just to brag on him for a second, being like, being a spiritual dad and stuff, he's gone places in music that I never would have dreamed to go and has done things and has, has been more creative than I ever could have been. And I, I think that's important because when you talk about vision and dreams and legacy and things like that, like you want to leave people a legacy. And I feel like I went as far in music as I could go and I kind of, and like I was able to show him the way to some extent and my ceiling became his floor. So it became his launching pad. Yeah. And because of that, there've been a lot of great things that he's been able to do completely on his own. Okay, like, I don't want to take away from what he's done. It's been his vision to pursue Eves and to do all the great things that he's doing, 
right now. And I think that's amazing. And he's brought great people with him. He's brought great people into it. He's making more connections and doing more with music creatively than I, than I ever could. Like I said, like dude deserves all the credit. It's amazing. It's amazing. And I, I, and I love that. Like I've been able to be there and encourage him in that type of stuff, but that's not the only vision he has for his life. Do you yeah. know that? Like uh, talking to him last week, one of the things that he wants to do is like really get invested into the coffee community here in Richmond and like build it up so that it's not just, you know, stores that are like standalone. He actually wants to try to figure out how to bring the coffee community together and manage and make more music or not music, make more money doing it. Like he's gone out and he's bought books on coffee, the history of coffee, how to make certain things. And he's just like invested in learning more about coffee right now. And like, if you talk to somebody from past generations, they would have been like, no, he needs to go to school and he needs to do all these things and not be passionate about that because that's silly. But the fact of the matter is, like, it's not. It's not silly. It's a part of his vision. It's what he wants to do. How many people drink coffee every day? Did you know, on average, people spend anywhere between 50 to to $100 a week on coffee, the average person in America does? Yes. When Starbucks, When Starbucks costs... Seven dollars and fifty cents for the large largest cup they have. People spend that much a week. Trust me, I worked for Dunkin' Donuts. I I know how much people spend on coffee a week, right? Um, no one knows that even more so, because you go into a coffee shop and you sit down to do your work. Especially if like you're able to go to a coffee shop and sit down to work, and you stay there. For hours on end. So what do you do? You keep refilling the largest cup you can buy. Maybe you'll get one on the house per day, but all the other ten cups you drink. That's a lot. Some people don't deal well with caffeine, and that's okay. I don't even want to picture it. I'm scared. <laughs> but the, so the reason why I bring that up is because music isn't his only vision in life. And he's still trying to figure out more of what he wants to do. Because he also does want to get married and have a family, kids, yada, yada, yada. Right? Like, there's so much more that he wants to do. But you would only know that if you really sat down to talk to him. So I want to encourage you to sit down and talk to yourself. <laughs> and talk to the Lord about what your vision is. Right? Um, in order, in order to get a vision for your life and in order to write it down, you have to get alone with God. And this is the biggest mistake that I see people make. So, so hear me very carefully. Every great person of God in scriptures. And then when you study church history was led into the wilderness by the Holy spirit without music, without people without any other form of distraction to hear what God was telling them. I love Matt Phelps because like six months after he got saved, he decided that he was going to go on a camping trip in the mountains for like a week and a half. And he just sat alone with God and lived off of, I guess, whatever he found. I'm not really sure. (laughs) But the fact of the matter was he went out to get alone with God and he read his Bible and he figured out what he wanted to do with his life. What he wants to do with his life is to be a missionary. I'm not going to tell you to go on a camping trip with just you and the Lord. I understand that we have, people have lives, okay? 
what I am going to encourage you to do is on a day off, find a quiet place somewhere out in nature. It's a little cold. Maybe not out in nature. Um, I would, because I like the cold. Yeah, build a fire. There it is. Yeah. And just without music, no music, ignore everyone else around you. Leave your cell phone at home. Don't write down your vision on your cell phone. Take a book, take a pad, a pen, pencil, whatever you want to write with. Go out into nature and talk to God. And don't be afraid to write ten pages of what you want to do with your life. Because here's the thing. Your vision is not outside of you. God hid it in a place where you'd always be able to find it. So you need to make sure you're not missing the forest through the trees. Your future is not ahead of you. It's trapped inside of you. It's there. You just got to find it. It's like a seed. The DNA of a forest is inside a seed. And you might be saying, No, Ronnie, it's just the DNA of one tree. Not true. The tree grows and produces way more seeds. It's like an acorn tree, right? You know, an acorn is the seed for the acorn tree. Have you guys ever sat underneath an acorn tree and watched the acorns fall? They hurt like heck when they hit your head. But let me tell you, how many hundreds of acorns fall off of that tree each year? It's not the DNA of one tree. It's the DNA of a forest is hidden inside that little acorn. The DNA of what you want to accomplish in your life, the DNA of your vision, of everything that God created you to be is inside of you. You just have to find it. And I'm not, I'm not saying like some new agey self-realization, like weird stuff, all right? I'm not saying you go on a vision quest like uh, Hindus do, because that would be weird. You don't, you don't need to do that. I mean, you, as long as it's not a cultic, you can do it if you want to. As long as the Lord is in it. But you have to understand that in order for the tree to grow, the seed has to be dead and buried. So when you're dead to your sins, you start to realize that God buried a vision inside of you. And it's born when it's watered by the Holy Spirit. And if that isn't enough to convince you what your vision is, maybe you're already thinking about it, let me propose this to you. The problems of life that make you angry is where your the problems of life that make you angry are where your purpose where your purposes are born. The things that make you the most angry in life, the problems that you see, the things that are wrong with the world that anger you, that frustrate you. Why? Mm. Do you have a solution for it? Mm. If you do, maybe it's your vision. Maybe it's something you need to accomplish. Mm. So, after you've taken that time to spend with the Lord to figure out your vision, you need to make it clear and simple. Simplify your desires, your visions, your dreams into one sentence. That is your vision for life. That is it. 
As the vision is simplified, it begins to grow. We think about a seed for a second. A tree has so many rings in the wood. It is full of so much bark and wood and has so many seeds. This analogy might die. It's kind of bad. But the fact of the matter is the big complicated tree is simplified into one seed. And you have to bury it, right? When you bury it, that's when it begins to grow. Simplify your vision and it will begin to grow. The solutions your vision provides will be noticed and it will attract others to it. Let's talk about church for a second. Why are you at this church? It's not simply because of what we teach. You could, well, debatably you could find this kind of teaching at other churches. It's not just because of the worship. There are plenty of great worship bands out there. It's not just because of the community, because there are people that do community better than we do. So why are you really here? All of those things are encompassed in the vision that we have for the church. And if you see all of them, and you like it, well then you see our vision. And that's why you're here. So we want to grow in that. Right? So after you've simplified it, after you've made it one sentence, you need to write it down. You must be able to communicate your vision. You must be able to see it so that you can run with it and so that other people can help you run. When you simplify the vision, you want it to be one sentence. And then you want to plan your life around it. God won't make plans for you. He will give you the vision, but He won't make the plans. Right? We just talked about it. That verse in Proverbs. Um, maybe it's Psalm. I don't, I don't remember. I should have written it down in my notes, but I forgot to. Um, so many Bible verses. So little time. Uh, many are the plans of a man, but the Lord guides his steps. Right? And then immediately after that, it says... I believe it says, and the treasures of the wicked are laid up for the righteous, which I think is funny. Because that whole verse is just talking about vision. You find your vision from the Lord, right? He guides you towards it. You make plans to achieve it. And all of the treasures of heaven that were stored up because of unrighteous people are given to you because you're righteous. Because you're following that vision. Right? As you go through life, you will have to make revisions to your vision. The word revision means to, well, make the vision again. Um, you go back to your vision. You edit it if you need to. That's what we're about to do as a church family, right? Last year, the leadership team got together. We envisioned what we wanted the church to be as a whole, what we were going to aim for, and it was great. We achieved a lot of great things this year, which we're going to talk about next week. It's going to be really awesome. Shameless plug. We don't just want it to be us this year because we talk so much about family. That's why we do these Q&As. That's why we try to give you guys a chance to, to pour in. That's why, you know, Hannah Rose is running the, the blessings table and we're trying to do things for the community. We really, truly do want to be a family. We want, we, we want you guys to have some sort of input in where we're headed. Does that make sense? Yeah. We want to revision. 
You need to reevaluate your vision all the time. Are you doing everything you need to at this time to accomplish your vision? What things are pulling you away from it? Can I put you on the spot? Yes. Last week when I was telling that testimony about the guy who I was like, you need to find ways to disappoint people, disappoint me, I challenge you to do it. It was Cameron. We had a great little talk about it, right? And I challenged him when we were talking. I said, what things, what people can you disappoint so that you can accomplish the dream and the vision that God has given you? I challenge you, if something is keeping you away from God, something is keeping you away from the vision that He has for your life, disappoint it. Be okay disappointing it. Don't take it as rejection. They're not rejecting you. A spirit on them might be, a spirit in them might be, but if they really want what what is God's best for for you, they will see what you're doing and what you're trying to do. Right? Did you tell them the testimony of... I you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I called him this week, and I was like, hey, uh, some stuff at my house. I don't necessarily want to be here alone, something, something. Um, will you come hang out with me? And he was like, nah, man, I just bought Red Dead Redemption 2, and we have worship practice tonight, and I want to play Red Dead Redemption 2. And I was like, you mean you want to play Yeehaw Skyrim? <laughs> He was like, yeah, man. And I was like, God, I'm so disappointed. he was like, I did it! (laughs) I was like, you did. I thought it was going to be much harder than this, but you you did it. You got it. You got it. Go do it, man. It was a great... That's good. First steps, man. First steps. First steps. The other thing that I will say is that vision doesn't always come all at once. Right? When it, come, when it comes to writing this stuff down, it doesn't always come all at once. God will give you pieces of the vision so that you don't get overwhelmed. So that you don't run ahead of Him. Alright? So like, here's your, my testimony. I got saved when I was in the music scene. My vision at that time period in my life was to tour, to release a full-length album, to inspire people and to bring people to Jesus. That's what I did. It was awesome. There's a test. I give my entire testimony on a video on YouTube if you ever want to go find it. And then I scream a song for people. If you ever want to go watch it, it's great. Yeah. It's on YouTube. I'll go find it. Uh, It's a Bring the Arsenal video, and I believe it's just called Ronnie's Testimony slash The Antagonist. Nice. Yeah. Um, Wasn't that at West Creek? Mm-hmm. Is that yeah, West Creek? Yeah, I know what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. I watched that. Yeah, you're in it. Anyway. <laughs> so you were probably there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. Probably front row. At that, at that time period, my vision for life was that. And then I accomplished all those things and I said, I don't know what's next for me. God, what is next? And he said, well, during that time too, let me backtrack. As I was accomplishing those things, God laid a vision on my heart to start a Bible study on Saturdays at Short Pump Mall, either before or after work, because some of the kids that were getting saved in the music scene didn't want to go to a regular church. So I started it, started teaching. Called Holy Spirit Swag. Holy Spirit oh. Swag Ministries. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it hurts me. It hurts me. All right, bring it in. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 
Gotta repent. So, God gave me a snidbit of the, the vision that is Identity House now. A lot of other things happened. I progressed. Um, I learned a lot. When Identity House was still a youth group, technically, and we were um, really a part of our, another house church called Emmanuel Fellowship, and we were doing stuff there. Um, God laid it on my heart to like start a network for ministries similar to to what we were doing. That was six years ago, and, and it's only been this year that that vision has really taken a manifested form. Mm. Um, and it's continuing to grow. Right? Now that we're a house church, eventually he was like, yeah, Identity House isn't just supposed to be like a young adult like network anymore. It's supposed to be a house church network. And I was like, well... All right, I guess. <laughs> cool. Did God talk to you like that? Either? What do you mean? Was that God, your interpretation of his voice? <laughs> yes. 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 My point is, I got, I had a vision for when I was younger, and the vision continued to grow. Don't be surprised if your vision continues to grow and change. Yeah. Sometimes what you think your vision is now has nothing to do with what your vision is 10 years from now. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. All right. So I'm going to give you guys some words of wisdom and some suggestions before I get into my last part, which is directed towards men. <coughs> In particularly. If you're taking notes, write this down. Distractions are the greatest enemy to your vision. There is a difference between, I said this last week, there is a difference between healthy downtime and blatant distraction. If you're taking notes, write this down. The greatest distraction is not bad things, but good things. And what I mean by that is you can busy yourself with so many good things that you never do the right thing. I can try to help everybody in the world. We've advertised this every so often, but Kate and I are more than more than happy, more than happy to counsel people who are in tough spots. I counsel three days out of the week, two days now two days out of the week and um, there are a couple other people who have asked me to counsel them recently so I'll be counseling three days out of the week now um, which is great if I tried to counsel everybody in this room I would never have any time to accomplish the vision that I have for my life Mm. not unless I quit my job and you pay me (laughs) Um, it would also hinder the vision that other people in this room may have for counseling as well. Yeah. Because if you're the only one doing it, then they can't do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Yeah. Amen. 
You can't use that as an excuse. I taught you how I counsel. Plus, you went to school for counseling, so you can do it too. Um, so, I could be distracted by doing all those good things for you guys, but I would never do the right thing for me. Does that make sense? Vision comes in phases. Not only will you receive vision from God in phases, but you will also fulfill your vision in phases. Right? Who you are now and what you're doing now may be just a phase, a preparation for the next phase. So what are you doing with it? Everything in this life is a training ground for eternity. Everything. So we want to try to be as successful as we can on this side of eternity. Because it sets us up for what's coming afterwards. The greatest enemy of what is right is not what is wrong, but what is good. Satan knows you're too smart to fall back into sin, so he'll distract you from what is right by what is good. Good things feel right, but they are not always what is right. You need to check your vision. Is this good thing a part of the plan? If it's not, maybe it's a distraction. This last point is also very important, and I would write it down, but I would write it down in context. You ready? I'm going to have a mic drop moment, and then I'm going to explain it. The greatest enemy of your progress right now is your last success. Success can stop you from progressing because success can make us passive. We become passive because our last success can feel like we finally achieved all that we were meant to. The moment that we feel as if we've achieved it all is the moment we stop progressing. And once progression stops, decay begins. Does that make sense? We need to take time to celebrate every success because every success is a testimony. But it's only a true success and a true testimony if it helps propel us forward, not stops us in our tracks. Does that make sense? You guys encouraged by that? I hope so. There are a lot of ladies here tonight, so if I'm going to get some amens from you guys, that'd be great. Amen. I'm going to talk to the guys for a second. All, I guess, four of us that are here. What do we do when they say all the ladies are here? Let's go to Genesis 2. So guys, women, you can say your name of this if you want. Let me explain everything before you say your name. Um, the men in this room, the men listening to this, 
You were created to be a visionary. Mm-hmm. Period. There's no if ands, or buts, buts about it. Um, you were created to be a visionary. The woman that you have in your life wants you to have a vision for your life and the life of your family. You may marry for love. Or she may marry for love. But she'll stay with you because of your vision. Without vision, your family will fall apart and your marriage will perish. Alright? We talked about this last week, but vision determines your passions in life. So this is a question for the ladies. How many of you guys want to marry a man that's not passionate? So if vision determines your passions, then that must mean that you shouldn't marry a man without a vision for his life, right? So if you're in a relationship right now, you need to be asking yourself, first of all, what your vision for your life is and if it lines up with his. And then you need to, well, before you can ask yourself if it lines up with his, you need to ask him what his vision is. Not just for his life as an individual, not just his his job goals and things like that, but like, what does he want out of life? What does he want out of a family? Does it line up with what you want? Because if it doesn't, or if he has none at all, then the passion that he feels towards you will eventually run dry the same way the passion that he had for whatever vision he's had in the past has. Mm. That's true, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. How many of you guys have been in relationships where the where the guy that you were with had no vision for his life and the passion that he oh. had for you when you guys first started dating eventually oh fell apart? Oh my god. Yeah. Me too. Thank you, Dex. I've been upgraded <laughs> in my life. Uh, Praise the Lord. <laughs> See, here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. And like guys hear me and the two adult ones that are in the room, Preston, you remember this for later, all right? Because um, I've, I've said this to both of you guys, at least, I know from conversations that we've had. Your, your no protects your most sacred yes. Mm, yeah. And that sacred yes isn't just to the Lord. Like, it's not just like, I can't sin, right? It's your, the yes to the vision that you have for your life. The yes that you gave to your wife on her on your wedding day. Um, the yes you give to your kids when it comes to raising them the right way, when it comes to going to their sporting events and other things later on in life. The yes that you give must be protected by every no yeah. that you give. Yeah. That's why the other week I challenged Cameron to disappoint me. Tell me no. Tell me no. I want him to be able to tell me no. Because if he's a part of this ministry and I ask him to do something and he can't tell me no because it doesn't line up with his vision, then chances are he's not prepared to tell everyone else in the world no. Because yeah. he feels called to be a part of this church, right? And to have a vision and, and participate in this church. So if I ask him to do something, as the guy who's sort of kind of the leader... He needs to be able to tell me no if it doesn't line up with what the Lord's telling him to do. Yeah. 
I'm probably the, unless it's like his wife or something, and she might later on in life, and she might be saying something that doesn't line up with the vision that is meant to have for the family. I'm the next hardest person at the moment to say no to, to some degree, because we're doing ministry together. We're doing life together. I want him to be able to disappoint me because I know if he can disappoint me, he can disappoint everybody else so that he can protect his yes. Right? God wants us as men to have a vision before he wants us to be married. Before he wants us to have a wife. Before he wants us to have any sort of relationship really with anybody. You might be wondering where the biblical proof for that is. I will tell you. Let's go to Genesis 2, where it all began. Verses 15 through 25. Are you guys ready? And the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. That word dress there means to cultivate, make it grow, keep it nice. It's work. Did you guys know that there's a difference between your work and your job? Your job might be something that helps you live life because it provides currency, but it's not your work. I do a job, but my work is here doing ministry. That's my work. That is what God created me for, right? And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may eat freely, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat of it. For in the day that you eat thereof you shall surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all of the cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helpmeet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib, which the Lord God had taken from the man, made he a woman, and brought her to the man. And the man said, This is now bone of my bone, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she has been taken out of man. Therefore shall man leave his father and his mother, and shall cling to his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed." couple things I want you to see in this. God gave Adam a vision, and that was to be in the Garden of Eden, to cultivate it, and to keep it. And then he said, also don't touch this tree. <laughs> or don't eat of it. You can touch it. Lay across it, whatever. Climb it. I don't care. Just don't eat the fruit. Right? And then the Lord created all the animals, and the Lord said, alright Adam, It's your job to cultivate and keep this garden. So here are all these animals. What are you going to do with them? And Adam goes, here's my plan. I think I'll name them first. So God gives Adam the vision, and then Adam starts to plan his vision, his life, around the vision that God gave him, right? God said, whatever Adam calls the animals, that's what we'll call them from now on. I'm not going to call them anything. It's Adam's job, right? It's a pretty sweet job. That's pretty sweet work. Making sure the garden grows, it's protected. It's great. 
in the midst of this work that Adam is doing, God goes, you know what? It's not cool for Adam to be alone. Let me, let me give him a helpmate. Let's fix this. Let's make it cooler. So God puts Adam to sleep and pulls the woman out of Adam's rib because she's meant to be his equal. Being the head of the household and, have, and being the visionary doesn't mean that your wife isn't equal. And it doesn't always mean that you make every decision. What it does mean is that you are the end of the line for the family. You are the protector. You're the provider. You're the foundation. The word father means foundation. Sometimes the foundation isn't seen at all. The foundation for this house is seen because I have a basement and also it's all just made out of center block. But when you look at the foundation of a lot of other houses, especially when it comes to the cornerstone where all the way to the house sits, which is the true foundation of the house, you may never see it unless you're willing to crawl under it, right? Yeah. So as, as the man, as the beginning of the family... We are the foundation of the family. We may never be seen, but we always have a vision. We, all, we are always the foundation. So, I'll, I'll end with this. So close to being under an hour. I'll end with this. If you are, in particularly for men, if you are a man and you're wondering why your soulmate quote-unquote, because I don't believe in those, um, hasn't come yet. My question to you is, have you started your vision? Have you really started working towards it? Are you fulfilling it? And I would even ask that to the women in the room, too. If you are wondering why you haven't met the man of your dreams yet, my question to you is, do you have a vision for your life at all besides getting married? Besides having kids. Because getting married and having kids is great, but it's not the end all be all. God put you on this planet with a purpose. What's your purpose? Being a great mom and a great wife is a plan and it is a purpose, but there are other things that come alongside of that as well. That might be the foundation of your purpose, but it is not the end all be all because eventually your kids will turn 18 and they will move out. We talked about this when we were when we were talking about marriage covenant and we did the Q and A and we talked about like vision and goals and dreams and stuff lining up. And I I I said, you know sometimes it, it's a little bit different with women sometimes. Because with men and, and like, take this with a grain of salt, really pray about it, because this, this is not for everyone, okay? But what I, what I have noticed is that sometimes women don't truly know what the vision for their life is until they meet the person that they're supposed to marry, because women were also created to be helpmate. And to cult, they're, they're created to be cultivators um, and incubators. That's why they can grow human beings inside of themselves. They, they incubate you know, they help things grow into process. And so sometimes they don't really 
they don't women don't always know what to do until they've met that special someone that helps them come alive the way that Jesus makes them come alive. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, when we when we did that Q&A for the marriage covenant and, and stuff, one of the things that we had talked about um, or that, that Kate and I brought up was that, you know, her vision and trying to figure out her vision for her life and different things. And she knows that a part of her vision needs to be a part of the ministry and helping me and supporting me and working with kids. And she was like, I don't know how that all fits in. I have all kinds of ideas for how that fits in. I have a vision for all of that. Just waiting. And I've communicated some of it, but like just waiting for it to come into fruition so we can go after it together. Some of that has to do with remodeling the house to some extent and that's great because I just got a raise and we'll be on a manager's salary starting in January. So I'm super stoked on that. So we can renovate things. And you know what I said? I said to her, I said, you know, when we get kids coming in, more kids coming in, what if we renovated the entire attic and built walls around, uh, not walls, but like built shields around all the HVAC stuff up there and, and, uh, put padding everywhere so that they could climb over top of things and different stuff and it'd be a cool little play area and she was like yeah that sounds great but we could also this is this is how women do things right they 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 incubate things they take an idea they it sits in their incubator in their minds because as you the women you guys know you're thinkers you think about everything all the time sometimes you don't know how to not think about something and it can get you in trouble but hopefully you learn how to take your thoughts captive and it doesn't anymore i'm trying to give you credit you're thinkers you're you you think about the little details right my my thought processes are always big, like big vision, big dreams. I, I know like what the end result is going to be. Let's figure out a way to get there. Let's make the plan. And, and when I talk to Kate about things, she's like, yeah, but that's a great first step. Did you think about this when it comes to that first step? And I'm like, no, <laughs> dig it. But it, she brings it up and, you know, men, we're problem solvers. So she she's thinking about it. She's incubating it. She she finds like holes in it and she goes, well, what about this? And I go, all right, I got a plan. I'm going to solve this problem. And then we work together. We push forward. Right. So she's thinking about all this and she goes, what if we renovated the big room in the basement? We put a bathroom down there. And we made it a nice little area so that it's a little play area. And it's also a place where eventually we can put the dogs and the dog kennels and things like that when we start having kids. And I was like, look, that's perfect because I was already thinking about putting a bathroom down there. That's going to be so easy. It's already got a place for the toilet. It's not going to be a big deal. And she was like, well, that's great. And so, like, the visions, they line up, right? That's the point I'm trying to get to is that the visions, they line up. And so... Well, and the details that I gave was that it would be easier for little, like, little ones to be able to go down one set of steps as opposed to going up two so set of steps. He was like the yeah. attic, and I was like, oh, steps. <laughs> yes. That's, that's exactly what See? I knew you would know that, too. <laughs> I had a vision for what needed to happen, and my wife yes. took it and made it better because yeah. women are thinkers. They're incubators. They, you give them something to run with, and... I mean, you guys know, you run with it. It's great. That's why God created... That's that's part of being, like, a helpmate. That's not to, like, tear you guys down or, or say that you're less important at all. Because without that, like, without her ideas, stuff wouldn't happen the way that it does here in the house. And, 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 and for the church and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm trying to give you guys credit. Um, hopefully I'm not digging myself a hole. But, you know... I want to encourage. I want to encourage the men first and foremost. Figure out your vision. Find the work you're supposed to be doing and start doing it. For the women, I encourage you to do the same thing. And if you can't, pursue the Lord with all of your heart, no matter what. Don't stop. 
And if your vision is to be the helpmate to the person you marry, and God hasn't given you a vision because He has specifically said that's what your purpose is, to help fulfill their vision, when you find that God, you better make sure His vision is solid. Yeah. Because if it's not, the, the last thing you want to be in is, a de- is in a dead-end marriage. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I didn't want to end on a heavy note like that, but I guess we did. So. <laughs> you can do it! So that's... I hope you guys we got a lot... Note, so. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you guys got a lot out of that. Do you guys have any questions, comments, concerns? Do you have any, like, biblical proof of... How a woman cannot have vision, but have it only when she gets married to a man. Eve, like, Eve, I'm sort of like, Eve had no vision for her life until she was created to be Adam's helpmate. Yeah, I think, it, I think our concerns here come from just the environment we grew up in. Okay. I think it's more of a sore spot for us. Fair point. All right, so let's let's dive into this a little bit. Um, Can I give my example? Go for it. So. I could have told you from the time I was five years old that I wanted to teach and I wanted to work with children, even at five. Like, mm-hmm. I was convinced. So that has been my vision for my life. Now, my vision hasn't been refined or like that super fine tune until I've been able to have the, you know, visionary man over here yeah. and being able to have those conversations to be like, you know what? I love teaching and I love working with children, but what about doing family ministry? What about teaching people how to teach? What about, and so I've been able to, like, really, like, take away those other things that I don't necessarily need anymore, and my vision has been more focused because of what Ronnie's vision has been. Yeah, of it being led. Yes. So now that I have more guidance in that, it it makes more sense to me as opposed to, well, I mean, literally anybody could be a teacher, but, like, what are you going to do with that? Mm-hmm. I think also, like, I don't know, <laughs> yeah. but, like, mm-hmm. vision and passion, mm-hmm. like, having that passion, that deep passion, but also calling that, like, like what you foresee your life wanting to be is a vision. Like, mm-hmm. but yeah. what godly visions for women or for men, like, that's, I think that's what you're saying is different. Mm-hmm. But not that we don't have, like, the the passion for what we want our future life to look like. Yeah. 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 That being a vision. Yeah. So, because, like, I, I always wanted to be married and be a mom. Mm-hmm. Like, that was my vision for my life, but my vision was because... God instilled that passion in my heart. And that was like, like that, yeah. Yeah, and now that you're there, yeah. it's obviously different than what it looked like when you were a child. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. 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 I think, too, um, Esther is a good example. Esther didn't and Kate, you can correct me if you want, because you've read Esther way more times than I have. Mm-hmm. Esther didn't really know what to do with her life until her 
until there was a chance to get married to the king because in that opportunity to get married for the king, she saw the potential to help her people. Yes. Yeah. So you could debatably say that her vision for her life was not ignited until she met the one she was supposed to be with. And he had the resources that and, she yes. yes. And beforehand, she knew that she was supposed to love God with all her heart, all her soul, or like my, like she knew yeah. that. <laughs> and that still is is a vision. Yeah. It's not like you're just wandering mindlessly, like I have no purpose in life. Like that's right. not. Maybe one day my prince will come. Yeah. But yeah. It like, should not. No. That should not be like the vision for your life. One day my prince will come. That's yes. not. That's not what I'm saying at all. When when I like. When I say that sometimes the women don't always know what their exact vision for life is. Those finer details. Yeah, it's 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 figuring it's figuring out the finer details and how to go about doing things and and really just you know let's put it this way, alright? <clears throat> let's 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 go about this route. When you when you go out on the first couple dates with a guy and you begin to learn more about him and what his dreams, what his passions for life are and what he what he foresees about the future. Once you guys start talking about the future, you immediately know whether or not you're going to click. Right? Mm-hmm. Why, why is that? Because it matches up with mine. Mm-hmm. Or if there's camaraderie there. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. Um, how many women do you know that don't really have a vision for their lives and they end up marrying a guy who does have vision and then all of a sudden the same passion that he's going after with with his vision he's pursuing his wife after and his wife becomes so supportive of his vision she gets one for herself does that make sense Mm -hmm. it's not it's not necessarily like one day my prince will come and then all my visions will be made true and yada 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 it's it's recognizing First, it's pursuing the Lord with all your heart. That has to be the given. Mm-hmm. But then it's also recognizing that, you know, talking about passions and things, this man is, he's passionate. And I love that about him. Because I don't want to be married to somebody who's not passionate. Right. What is he passionate about? Why is he passionate about it? I want to be passionate about those things. You know, and then you start answering those questions or asking yourself those questions to help you get to that point. Because there are... So we, we, I, I said this earlier, without, without knowing why something was created, without knowing its purpose, abuse happens. And part of the reason abuse happens is because so many men have given up their knowledge or haven't pursued the knowledge to, to know a woman's purpose. Right. So because there are so many dysfunctional men that don't know the purpose of women on the earth, they end up abusing women to some degree. Right? Like the background that you guys came out of, the church background, completely just took women for granted and didn't give them the time of day, right? In a lot of ways. God wants more for you than what they had. It takes meeting a man who knows what a woman's purpose is meant to be in the Lord, strictly speaking, in the Lord on a broad broad sense, you know, how women were created to be, you know, beautiful and loving, we're meant to protect them, all the chivalrous things, yada, 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 right? 
It takes encountering, sometimes it takes, because of all the abuse that's happened. And then this, again, this isn't all the time, but because of how much abuse has happened through the years, generationally, with iniquity and things, sometimes it takes women meeting a man of God who is a visionary in order for them to have that passion ignited in them. Does that make sense? Does that... Does that explain it a little bit better and so it's not it's sometimes it's not even always like the man of your dreams and your prince charming sometimes it just takes meeting a good dude that's like hey you're worth more than this because god didn't want you to be abused that way he didn't want you to be you know this or that he wanted you to be what the word says and this is what the word says so here's the word you know yeah does that make sense yeah okay I didn't want to be offended. I found myself like being tempted to be offended by what you were saying, but I was like, I just need to ask so I can just clear the air because that's. I mean, yeah, I just have seen so many like you know old childhood friends who just you know work whatever job they were like would work. Yeah. And then just wait around until they got married. Yeah. And then they're depressed. Yeah. And then once they get what they want, their child and their husband, then they don't know what to do. That's kind of it. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. kind of, and I, it just, it's one of those things where I, like, it can bother me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's, and that's why I said, too, that, like, being a, being a wife and being a mother, that's a, that's a great thing. Yeah, and it's amazing. And I think, like, what um, you were saying, like, visions can change. So, if that's my yeah. next vision, yeah. that's okay, that's healthy and good. Yeah. And there's stuff on the other side, I need to know that. Yeah. yeah. So, I don't yeah. want to discourage, like, women in general from that being a dream. Because I started no. doing that to my little sister. I was like, that's how she wants, being a wife and mom. Like, your, your life's going to be miserable. And it's like, no, that's actually a beautiful thing. It's okay that that's her vision. Yeah. It is. It's good to pursue that. Yeah. They're, it's okay to have other visions too. Yeah. And and I mean that's that's really the thing. And this so this is a thing that I've I've really learned just being married is that women especially in comparison to men, they you guys change and you grow like so much in so many other ways in comparison to guys. Like when I look at my life and I look at who I am and then I look at people like Cameron or or Nathan, or even Noah, like, they grow, right? And they, they mature. But since the Lord's grabbed their hearts, they don't change. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, they've matured in so many ways, but they haven't necessarily changed. They've stayed the same. However, with women, it's a little bit different, because you guys are thinkers. You guys are incubators. There, there are so many things that women do and think about that men just don't because you guys are so focused on the finer details and that's such an amazing thing because without that we wouldn't have you know pretty things like this rug probably and you know and all kinds of other things that my mind is blanking on because it's late now we're not an hour and a half again and that's completely okay but my my point is that like vision between the sexes comes differently. And a big portion of that is because the men the man is meant and especially within the family is meant to be the foundation and the steady hand. And I think that shows in the fact that many men, once they figured out what their vision is, once the Lord has captured their heart, they never change, they just grow and they mature. Right. Women, on the other hand, like comparing it to a house again because working construction women are able to be so many other things other than the foundation 
women are able to be the paint on the walls. They're able to be, you know, the the couch cushions and 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 even you know the siding and um, the decorations outside. The things that make the house beautiful, that make the house homey. In order for a woman to essentially be that, quote unquote, they have to have the ability to to change. Yeah. Or a man, or a man doesn't. Because a man is meant to be the foundation, the protector. He, he is... And that doesn't mean that a man can't be passionate and can't be spontaneous. That's not what I'm saying at all. But like, when you think about the life that you want to have, the things that you want to see in your future husband are things that you never want to see change. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so there's a huge difference in between how a man gets a vision and processes a vision in comparison to how a woman does because there are so many women that God created you guys to be able to wear so many hats in order to fulfill your ultimate, like, hear my heart on this, okay? I don't want it to sound offensive. In order to be the the ultimate purpose of the woman... God created her to be a helpmate to the man, right? And so in order for her to be a helpmate to the man, to help him lead the family, have a vision for the family, grow in the vision for the family, have his own vision for his life so that he can provide for the family and have passion and things like that, you guys have this amazing ability to wear so many different hats in order to make sure that you're helping your family in so many other ways that men can't. And that's so beautiful. It's so amazing. It's nothing to be downplayed. Like that that word helpmate doesn't just mean like you're somebody that helps the man and everything that he does. That's not what it means. It means um, one who encircles. And so it's like this really cool um, dichotomy where you get in a relationship and, and your husband is you know, your protector and, and your, your sure foundation, the guy who, you know, you can go to for anything, you can count on for anything. And because you know that you can count on him in those ways, when he protects you in those ways and provides for you and the family in those ways, you encircle him. You become all-encompassing. There's that aspect of, like, one of the biggest things that women deal with spiritually is guilt. It's a huge thing. They want to be so many things to so many people, to help so many people, to nurture them in so many areas. One of the reasons why women deal with that so much is because when it comes to their their one and only, their husband, they're meant to encircle them and essentially be all those things that they're trying to be for other people. And when a husband doesn't recognize that, that's when all the guilt, shame, condemnation, all that stuff sets in. And a, a large per, portion, of, portion of that is because the man lacks vision and doesn't recognize the vision or the purpose of his wife. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm just going on other rabbit trails now, but like... No, it's good, though. Uh, I, I, I do, like, I think that this little... I'm going to go down this one because I think this is important. Um, Eighty percent of all people with diseases in the world are women. 80% of people who suffer from autoimmune diseases are women. Most of the time, women get diseases because they are abused. They're not taken care of properly by men. And that has a large, 
a large portion of that is because so many men lack vision. They don't know what their own purpose in life is, and because of that, they don't know how to recognize the purpose in someone else. And if a man is truly going to be a man of God, he's going to have a vision for his life, he's going to recognize his purpose, but he's also going to see yours as a woman. And he's going to help cultivate that, because men are cultivators, right? Adam was given the charge to cultivate the garden. Because he helps to cultivate that in you, there, there is that encircling. And so, because he's recognizing those things in you, all that guilt, the shame, the unloving, it, it all falls away because the vision that he has, he brings you into and helps propel you towards your vision while he's going after his. Because he's protecting all of those sacred yeses, you know, the yes that he gave to you, the yes he gave to God, the yes that he gave to his vision. When he gives his yes to you, he's giving his yes to your vision as well. And figuring out how all that lines up. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Good. Thank you. I'm yeah. Still, yeah, I'm still processing. Because uh, I feel like there's this side of me that's like, why well, can't you step by myself? And I can, like, you know, I'm, you know, a woman and I'm powerful and I, I can do all this. You, you know can. I mean? And yeah. So, like, what's your perspective on a woman who's supposed to be single? Or never ends up getting married. She a Christian? Jesus is her husband. Right? Yeah. Jesus is my husband. The only way I can fulfill my vision is because I've already been Jesus' helpmate and I'm encircling him. And so I empower my wife to do the same. I'm not... When it comes to like vision and purpose and stuff, I'm not asking my wife to do anything that I'm not already doing for Jesus. And if I am, then I'm a hypocrite. Right? So my yes to Him has to be first. That's my sacred yes. I protect that yes with every no that I can. Anything that tries to get in the way of that, immediately no. I'll even say no to her. There have been times where she's tried to come and talk to me when I've been in my office processing something with the Lord or in the shower or whatever. Today, I was praying out loud as I was cleaning the house. She was like, what? And I was like, I'm praying. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> and she was like, okay. <laughs> she, I mean, because she knows, she understands. If, if I can't have that time with the Lord, then I can't have that time with her. And so, you know, and that's one of the biggest things that I feel like men don't understand is that we are God's wife. You, I tell guys this all the time. You're, you, you, I don't feel like you should be allowed to get married and to start planning a life with a woman until you're comfortable being God's bride. Until you're comfortable being Jesus' bride. Because if you're not comfortable doing that, then you won't know how to treat a woman at all. How does Jesus treat men? We Men talk about it all the time. They're just like, oh, like God loves me. He gave me this vision for my life. He's providing for me. He's protecting me from this and that. He's doing all these different things for me. And then when we look at our wives, when we look at the history of how women have been treated in the church, they aren't treated that way at all. But if there's no male or female in the body of Christ, if men are supposed to be the foundation the way that Jesus is the foundation for us, then we should be empowering women the same way that Christ is empowering us as men. The same way. 
their visions and their purposes may be different than ours, for sure. Because God created two different sexes, and and they're they're compatible. They're not equal in the sense that feminism wants to make them equal. You know, the beautiful thing about there being two different sexes is that Kate can do things that I can't, and I can do things that she can't, and we cover each other's weaknesses. If there is true equality, the way that modern day feminism preaches, then there's no weaknesses to be covered. Because we're all the same, and so we all have the same weaknesses. So where's the strength? Mm. The biggest issue when it comes to to things like the things like this is just that like men don't understand their own purpose, and because of that, they allow the enemy to abuse them, and because they're abused and they're hurt, hurt people into hurting people. Yes. And so women aren't taken care of. The majority of all people in the world who are sick are women. I can't tell you how many. So we, we do this thing at work, it's called cleaning for a reason, and it was specifically set up for women because of how many women in the United States alone suffer from cancer over men. And so it's a foundation that when you're going in for your chemo treatments, we go in and clean your house for free. We do cl- two cleanings for you once a month. Oh, it's, nice. it's awesome, right? I can't take credit for it. It was set up before I got there. But the fact of the matter is, they did that because of how many more women were sick in comparison to men. There's an issue with that. Yeah, that makes sense. So, and I mean, it's it's not that I don't want to talk about... I'll end it with this. Yeah, I know. Dang it. It's not that I don't enjoy talking about things when it comes to women and encouraging women because I, I do. Like, one of my biggest passions is is protecting women and, and making sure they're loved and they're cared for. And I think that's I think that's part of the reason why we have so many women in our church in comparison to guys, because there are always way more women here than there are men. The fact of the matter is, if I don't hit men with the, the truth and help them become who they're supposed to be, then women will never be protected and be who they're supposed to be. Yeah. Because there's always going to be that constant abuse from the person who's supposed to be the foundation of the family. And I think that I think that that's important. And so, anytime there are questions like this concerning women, I want to be able to answer them, like biblically. But we have to trace it back to its root, and the root is, and and all of this is that God created man first. And if man is the one being the abuser, then women are getting hurt. So we need to fix the abuser, so that the abuser can help the victims heal. Does that make sense? Yeah. So. I'm going to end it with this. Dad, thank you for this time. Amen.